I don't know about you, but we're always looking for ways to get our kids involved and give back in our local community. That's why we're excited to tell you about Student Visionaries of the Year, a campaign by the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society, which is the largest nonprofit organization dedicated to creating a world without blood cancers. Student Visionaries of the Year is a seven-week philanthropic leadership development program for high school students. Participants form strong teams and fundraise in honor of a pediatric blood cancer survivor in their local community. I would love for Violet to do this program when she's in high school. This program is transformative. It not only helps students develop valuable life skills like project management, communication, financial literacy, and entrepreneurship, not to mention it looks great on college applications, but most importantly, it's also a chance for them to engage in meaningful work within their community and make a real impact on blood cancer patients and their families. You can learn more about Student Visionaries of the Year or even nominate a student at lls.org slash students. That's lls.org slash students. The following podcast contains explicit language. Okay, I'm getting on. All right, me too. There we we go. Back on the desk. Hey, Mary. Yeah? Do not let us get off our treadmill desks until we've gone 10,000 steps. Okay. We mean that. Hi, and welcome to Happier in Hollywood, the podcast about how to be happier, healthier, saner, more creative, more successful, and more productive in a backbiting, superficial, chaotic, unpredictable, fundamentally insane world. I'm Sarah Fain, a TV writer and producer living in L.A., and with me is my high school friend and writing partner of 19 years, Liz. That's me, Liz Kraft. On this podcast, we talk about being writers in Hollywood, how we balance a career in friendship, and how to survive the war of attrition that is life in Los Angeles. In this episode, we discuss how we're managing our anxiety while waiting for The Fix to premiere in March, March 18th, 10 p.m. to be exact. (laughs) Then we'll revisit personal symbols in our new segment, Take Two. Also, Sarah and I will debate to-do lists. I have one you don't. That's the basic (laughs) gist of it. And finally, this week's Hollywood Hack was inspired by a recent email that I sent to my daughter, Violet. But first, Sarah, we have an update. As you mentioned, we want to remind everyone that The Fix is premiering March 18th on ABC at 10 p.m. It'll take the good doctor spot when they finish their episodes. Also, we want to remind everyone that The Fix is officially on social media. Yes. You can search for at the Fix ABC on Twitter and Instagram. We also have an account for the writers. Search for at the Fix Writers on Twitter and click to follow. Now, Mary is uh, the one who often updates that, yes. and she puts all of the great quotes that she um, has on the walls in our yes. office that we've talked about. Uh, which is very fun. Yes, and we have behind-the-scene photos and updates and link to articles about The Fix, so check all that out. And speaking of the premiere of The Fix, it's time for From the Treadmill Desks of, in which we discuss what's most pressing in our work psyches. And this week, it's managing our anxiety while we wait for that premiere (laughs) of The Fix. Yes, Sarah, we are done shooting. We're done editing. Um, we're ba- we're done with the first season of the fix, which is amazing. It's 
crazy. I can't even believe it. And it's such a good feeling to have those 10 episodes ready to go. We're very proud of them. However, (laughs) we now, like, are in this period where we can't do anything. Right. And one of the the really hugest parts of a television show, the only thing that really matters, (laughs) is people seeing it. Yes. It's not something that's not like you paint a painting and then put it in your closet. It's like the whole point is for people to see it. And obviously the ratings, um, we kind of live or die by the ratings. Um, Now, other factors go into a season two. Does it do well internationally? Does it do well critically? Did we stay on budget? Which we did. Yes. Does it have a huge social media uh, following? However, those ratings for the first few episodes are incredibly important. And it seems unbearable that we have to wait until March 18th to know what the ratings are going to be. And we have very, very little control over getting millions of people to turn on their TVs and watch the show. Yeah. I mean, we've done everything we can do. We made the best show we could make, we feel. And so it's like our work is sort of done and, you know, they say that action is the antidote to anxiety, but it's there's not a lot of action we can take. <laughs> we could just get, like, get plane tickets to major cities and yeah, walk right. around hounding out Knock the fixed flyers. Yeah, yeah, do door knocking like politicians do. Um, <sighs> yeah. So it's funny, Sarah, because we had just had the holidays and we'd been so looking forward to it as this yeah. nice break. Oh, we're going to be done with the show. We're going to relax. <laughs> I was like my motto, my holiday theme motto was going to be all is calm, all is bright. Because yeah. I'm like, I'm going to be so calm. I'm going to go with the flow. Everything is just going to be wonderful because I'm going to be done with the show. Uh-huh. But instead, I had some kind of residual like crabbiness and anxiety. (laughs) And I don't know that I was totally calm, partly because I didn't even know what to do with free time. Right. But largely because I have this sort of anxiety, free-floating, hanging over, over, like, how are we going to do? How are we going to do? How are we going to do? And it was really hard to separate from that. And it's going to be two months before we have an answer. So we have two full months of this anxiety just hanging over our heads and no actions to take. Yeah, now it the, sucks. One thing we can do is think about season two. Right. And that is helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll be meeting with Marsha a lot in the next couple of months to talk about season two. And eventually we'll go pitch a season two um, to ABC and to the studio. But even that, it's like it helps us to sort of fill the time and seem like action. But if season one doesn't do well, then it's all sort of just fruitless yes. labor. And, yes. You know. Busy work. Yeah. Busy work, which yes. we hate. Yes. Um, <laughs> We are sort of morally opposed to busy work. But it could also be the most important work we do. Yes, that's tough. It is. Like, we'll end up pouring a lot of energy into that, and we won't know if there was a reason to pour energy into it or not, and that's tough. Um, And then I'm going to intensely focus on life stuff, all Mm. the stuff that I've been unable to focus on. I was about to say putting off, but let's face it, I haven't (laughs) been putting it off. It's not like I'm procrastinating on anything. I just haven't had time to do it. So um, I'm going to focus like super intensely on that. And I'm also going to take a little trip by myself to my favorite place, which is the Best Friends Animal Sanctuary, just to sort of clear my head and relax. I think 
that's a good thing to do. And I'll be curious to hear when you're there if you do totally compartmentalize and just focus on being there or if you end up, you know, sending me lots of texts and theories about how the show's going to do. Oh, God. Well, we'll see. I hope to clear my head. So, all right. Well, if you guys have tips um, to help us deal with this anxiety of waiting for the show to premiere, do let us know. Yes, We are open to tips. Maybe, you know what? We need to take our trip to the Integratron maybe during this period. Oh, that's a good idea. Except I don't really love sound baths, I've discovered. Ugh. But I'll do it with you. Do I need, maybe I need no, to find No, I'll do it buddy. with you. I'll, okay. be your, I'll be your sound bath buddy. <laughs> <laughs> okay, next up, we will revisit personal symbols in our segment Take Two, but first an ad break. Okay, Sarah, it is time for our new segment, Take Two. And this is um, a segment in which we're going to revisit a subject from a previous episode. Sometimes we get a lot of mail on something and we feel like we need to discuss it further. So we decided that deserved its own segment name, which is Take Two. And today we're revisiting personal symbols. We originally explored our personal symbols in episode 83. Mine is a lightning bolt. Yes, and mine is a daisy. Very different symbols. Yes. Sort of a yin and yang. <laughs> um, and so many of you shared your thoughts on personal symbols on our Facebook group and via email. So we just wanted to re-explore and share what some of you guys' thoughts were. You guys's? What a terrible way to phrase mm-hmm. it. Some of your thoughts. Yes. Emily's personal symbol is an elephant. She says, the elephant is my personal emblem and has come to mean so much to me while I've had a few particularly rough years. I've always liked the intelligence, grace, love, and strength that characterize elephants. They live in matriarchal, they live in matriarchal groups and collectively protect their little ones. In 2016, my mom died of ovarian cancer. As I prepared for her memorial service and my aunt shared stories, I learned what an amazing bunch of women are in my family. A few weeks later, I became a single mom. I needed to rely on myself and the other strong women in my family to keep going. A year later, I got a subtle tattoo of an elephant on my wrist. The ink color is very close to the color of my skin, and even when I point it out, people have a hard time seeing it. I'm just fine with that. I got it for me. The elephant tattoo is a gentle reminder of my mom, my family, and my own power. I look at it and remember that my village is there to support me and that my kids also need me to be there for them. Well, that's beautiful. I know. That is really beautiful, Emily. That makes my lightning bolt seem rather shallow. (laughs) Thank you for sharing that. Um, That's a fantastic symbol. And I'm also very curious about um, the the color of the tattoo. I would love it. Can you send us a picture? I really am dying to see it. Yes. Emily, please send a photo of your tattoo. I love the idea that it's so subtle that it's sort of just for you. Yes, that's beautiful. And then Nikki wrote in about her personal symbol. She has two. And she wrote, My first has been a symbol of mine since I was in high school. It's a specific type of Celtic knot called a triketra. It has three interlaced knots representing peace, balance, and harmony between mind, body, and spirit. I have a small tattoo of it in blue on my shoulder blade. 
Then, as I got older and studied Buddhism, I fell in love with the lotus flower. Zen master Thich Nhat Hanh famously explains, no mud, no lotus. In other words, you don't get the beauty in life without going through the muck. I have this as a small blue tattoo on my wrist and look at it daily. Mm. It's interesting that so many people have their personal symbols as tattoos. Yeah, on their wrists, too. Um, I have to mention that my friend Wendy... A Celtic knot is sort of her family symbol, and they all got Celtic knots tattooed um, in various places. Hers, I think, is on her shoulder. And, you know, normally I'm not a fan of tattoos, yeah. but in these instances, I um, I kind of love the idea. Yeah. I always loved Wendy's, and I love um, the ones that everybody's mentioning. Yeah. Not that I'm going to go out and get a tattoo. <laughs> I know. I feel like mine, the daisy is so... I don't think it would make a good tattoo. Like, it's, I think well, that's part of why that I want to see these tattoos. Please send them in because yes. they sound really cool. Um, if I could find a cool way to do a subtle daisy, I might do it. Hey, I'll go with you. I'll hold your hand. <laughs> you won't get one, but you'll come with me. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I'm going to get a lightning bolt tattooed on me anytime soon. Um But, uh, you know, a nice lightning bolt necklace, maybe. But I will remind you, there is a tattoo that you are planning to get. Oh, gosh, that's right. And I'm never going to let you forget it. What is it? If if we do five seasons of The Fix? If we do 100 episodes of The Fix, I said I would get a C tattooed. Because C is, you know, 100, right? Yes. And it also stands for craft. Now, here's what I realized, of course, is is the problem with that. What? We do shorter seasons, like this episode. Or the, right. Season one is 10 episodes. If there's a season two, we would, I think, argue for a few more. But it could take, like, a really long time to get to 100 episodes. Yeah. Well, and let's see. In um, You're hedging your 2029, bets. I'll get a C tattooed on my shoulder. <laughs> okay, great. Um, This comes from another Liz. She says, I've been trying to find a personal symbol for the better part of two years. And like Liz, me Liz, nothing has really stood out until I listened to this episode and I realized my personal symbol is a cloud. I have recently become inspired by the quote by actor Tom Hiddleston, the sky is the limit, your sky, your limit. It has become my theme for 2019, including my one little word, limitless, and my 2019 bullet journal. I found in my bullet journal, I continue to draw clouds to represent this idea of your sky, your limit. A cloud represents aspects of my personality, such as creativity, like heads in the clouds, and intelligence, like brainstorming and storing information in the cloud. And now, with having my personal symbol in place, I feel more focused and plan on incorporating clouds into my everyday life. Oh, I love that. I do, too. And I love that it's a very sort of—it represents something very heady and also something very real, like the Internet cloud. Yes, yeah. (laughs) That's a good one. I know. And it's easy to doodle. Mm, we can all draw clouds. Yes. Okay. So I'm going to doodle some clouds as I share Dee's <laughs> email. She wrote, My personal symbol is the four-leaf clover, but the meaning isn't exactly what you would think. I had a ruptured brain aneurysm in my early 40s, and people started telling me how lucky I was to survive. Although I agreed and was grateful to be above ground, I didn't really feel lucky to be going through such a life-changing traumatic event. My life overall would best be described as quirky and eventful. This lucky issue became quite the inside joke. 
friends started getting me things with four-leaf clovers. I also developed a tagline, my kind of luck, to go along with the clover. It's a good reminder for me to look at the crazy shit that happens to me with a bit of a sarcastic, lighthearted twist. (laughs) That's great. Hey, it's good to have a sense of humor. It's so true. I don't always keep mine, but I should. And I like a... uh, I like a personal symbol with a bit of irony. Yes. Yes. (laughs) So thank you, everyone, for sending your personal symbols. Keep them coming because we just love reading about them. It's just fascinating to hear what people feel sort of crystallizes their life experience. Yeah. Coming up, Sarah and I debate to-do lists. But first, a word from our sponsor. One of my secrets to adulthood is that great luggage makes a huge difference to your travel experience, which is why I am obsessed with Briggs & Riley. It's extremely durable, has amazing features that make packing and getting around easier, and they have the best lifetime guarantee in the industry. So if your bag is ever broken or damaged, they will repair it free of charge, no proof of purchase needed, no questions asked, even if an airline damages your bag. Yes, and I love that they have supremely smooth, shock-absorbing wheels for easy gliding through your travels. Hot off the press, the Simpatico collection of hard-sided luggage is new and improved and just launched on Briggs-Riley.com. It has the new one-touch feature, which allows you to expand your luggage, pack it, then compress it to its original size so a carry-on can still fit in the overhead compartment, and that's just one of the new features. Available in black, navy blue, and olive green. All right, Liz, now it's time for a segment we call LVS, Liz versus Sarah, in which we discuss slash debate something we may not see eye to eye on. Today, we're going to talk about to-do lists. Yes, and Sarah, this, we were um, at lunch at Kiwami, I'll set the scene, um, (laughs) the other day, and you were like, oh my God, I realize you (laughs) don't keep to-do lists. And I'm like, yeah, and you're like, this enrages me. No, I know. explain your feelings. Well, for 19 years, I've been your writing partner. I've known you since I was 14, (laughs) and somehow it hit me like a, your personal symbol, bolt of lightning. Uh All of it, like, out of the blue that, like, you don't have to-do lists. It just, like, I can't explain how this shifted for me all of a sudden. I don't have to-do lists. I never have. You're right. I guess... On some level, I must have known that. I've never seen you carry a list anywhere. But right. I think, like, in my head, there's, like, something on your kitchen counter where you, like, have a list of things or well, something. Well, I do keep a grocery list. That doesn't count. Okay. <laughs> and it just, like, overwhelmed me. I can't even explain it because, as you know, I'm very to-do list oriented. Yes. I have a gigantic to-do list. And it just, I don't know. I mean, we're very different, obviously. Yes. I know that we're very different. But somehow this to-do list thing, it just, like, crystallized this, like, radical difference somehow between us. Well, I have a couple things to say about this. One, <laughs> I do have a good memory. So I usually—and okay. you you know I have a good yeah, memory. Yeah, you do. Right? You have a freakishly good memory. So I often just remember things I need to do. Yes. Secondly, we've been lucky enough for many years we've had an assistant. Okay? Yes. So I do— email or text things to our assistant to say, remind me to do this, remind me to do that. 
So that's right. kind of like a to-do list, putting it onto another person. <laughs> right. um, and so, Mary does keep and, a to-do list yes, on the whiteboard in our office. Yes. Yeah. Yes. We have that to-do list. Yeah. But part of it is I don't like to-do lists. Um, they make me feel like I need to do things, which I don't <laughs> want to do. I mean— what it goes to the mm. fundamental thing when you said this, it made something click for me, which is, you know, how I'm always saying, I don't see why you don't sell your cabins in Minnesota because there's so much work. <laughs> it's like your to-do lists are so long and cumbersome and filled with things to do that I'm always looking for ways that you could minimize your to-do list because it seems just so hideous to have so many things you have to do, whereas I have many fewer things I have to do. Yes, true. But it's like, you know, it's not like you don't have, you know, other elements in your life. You don't have cabins and that's part of my to-do list. But it's like, there's just like sort of your belief that things will get done. Yes. Well, luckily, I do not share that belief. Adam, my husband, does a lot of things. <laughs> um, you know, he does a lot having to do with the house. Um, now, I will say I asked Adam if he keeps to do lists because uh-huh. I've never noticed him having a to do list either. <laughs> and he said sometimes. So I'm not sure when he does or doesn't yeah. keep a to-do list. I've never seen one. It's a real, like— We don't have a couple's to-do list. Yeah, it's like a personality dividing line of some kind. Um, it does—it goes yeah. to my control thing. It makes me feel like I have, uh, like, an element of control, I think. Now, this is probably why I still don't have a will, is because if I had a to-do list and it had— get a will on it, maybe I would have actually gotten a will. Right. Well, that's true. It does. It makes me feel less like there are things out there flying around Mm -hmm. that need to be done that I'm not thinking about. If I think about it and write it down, at least it's sort of there in my consciousness. Now, I will say I did this year buy like an actual 2019 planner. Uh Um, And I've only done this like twice before in my life. Because I just thought it would be nice to have something to carry around. Yeah. I mean, I didn't even put things on the calendar until, like, two years ago. Um, <laughs> I li- I never put anything on. And I don't look at the calendar. So, like, I don't ever look at a calendar on a Monday to see what I have this week. I just assume I'll remember it. Now, if I'm looking when is my dentist appointment, then I'll look at the calendar to double check. Right. But I never consult the calendar unless I'm, like, except for conflicts. I'm very tied to my calendar. Like, I look at the calendar every day. I put it in my bullet journal what the next day is just so I'm kind of aware of everything. At least I try to when I'm being good about my bullet journal. Also, like, right now I don't think of my to-do list as a good thing. I feel very burdened by my to-do list. Right. You seem weighed down by it, which is one reason I don't like. Right. But right now I am. In general, I'm not weighed down by it. In general, I think it helps me sort of just keep track of everything and feel kind of comforted in a way, like Hmm. when it's working in a positive way. And when I have time to actually get through it, it makes me feel good because I feel productive. Like I get satisfaction from like, check, check, check. Look, I've done this. Look, I've done that. Right now it's shitty because we just haven't had time to do anything. So it just, you know, is this giant list of things that makes me feel oppressed. But again, when life is, you know, more sort of normal and functional, it's a good thing. But again, it goes to me, uh, what I think is a fundamental difference between us, back to the whole cabin notion. 
I feel like you look for things to add to your to-do list, and I look to not have a to-do list. Right. In other words, I would love to have nothing I had to do. I would love, like, if there were no tasks that needed to be completed. Whereas right. I Whereas feel I like feel you like that's like not realistic. Tasks. There are always tasks. No, that well, need it's to not be realistic, but it's a it's a goal. Right. And I feel like sort of in your effort to not have things on your to-do list, you're taking away things that could add a lot of joy to your life. This Maybe. is how we are different. <laughs> yes. Now, I will also add, Sarah, that it, because of you, it also lessens my need for a to-do list because all right. the things that I need to do for work, I know you're keeping track of. <laughs> so you take on a lot of my psychic yes. burden. So and thank Adam you takes for that. On some of your house psychic yes. burden. So maybe I'm really just unloading all of my burdens on other people and I need to take on my own burden. But, you know, that's something to discuss in therapy. <laughs> In the meantime, I will keep my extensive to-do list and hope that, you know, in this time, we were talking about our two months of just anxiety Mm -hmm. while we wait for the fixture premiere. In this time, I will get through my to-do list and turn it back into a positive thing instead of a negative thing. There you go. I have faith in you. (laughs) I'll I'll, I'll support you and applaud those efforts. Yes. Now, I should mention that I just ordered... (laughs) Something called a next level to do organizer. Oh my gosh. We'll put a um, a link to it on our show notes. What is it? It's from this company, Levenger. It's like it's a. I can't even explain it. Just like okay. go to happyandhollywood.com. Look at the link. Look it up on Google. However you want to get there. Um, but it's basically like the to do list to end all to do lists. All right. Next up on the to do list, Sarah shares her email Hollywood hack. But first, an ad break. Liz, there is nothing I love more than having a delicious meal that I didn't have to cook, which is why I have been getting no prep, no mess meals from Factor. Meet your wellness goals in time for summer thanks to the menu of chef-crafted meals with options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Factor's fresh, never-frozen meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. So no matter how busy you are, you'll always have time to enjoy nutritious, great-tasting meals. Last night, I had blackened salmon with broccoli and with cauliflower rice. It was so delicious. It was the perfect dinner. Head to factormeals.com slash HIH50 and use code HIH50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code HIH50 at factormeals.com slash HIH50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. Okay, now it's time for this week's Hollywood hack. Create an email account for your child or your children. Um, And this comes from you, Sarah. Yes. I don't remember where I heard about this. It came from someone. It's not my original idea. So shout out to whoever that person is. But before Violet was born... I got her an email address, and Mm -hmm. I have it, and I told her grandparents and started sending her emails. Mm. And eventually, when she's like 10 or 12 or whenever I decide to kind of give her her own email, feel free to write in with feedback on that because I don't know what the heck to do um, and when that should start. But then when she gets access to it, she'll have all these emails from me over, you know, 10 or 12 years. And my dad sent emails to it when she was little. 
that she'll have, which I think is great. Yes. Um, so I thought about it, you know, now because I just sent an email to her about her half birthday celebration at her school. All the kids with summer birthdays do oh, half birthday celebrations. And it was really special and just kind of this beautiful thing. So I was able to sit down and send her an email because who knows if she'll remember it, yeah. you know, um, saying like this happened and this is what your friends said about you and this is what your teachers said about you. Um, and, you know, it's a simple thing for me to do. And then she'll be able to read it years down the road. So. That's that is our Hollywood such hack. a good idea. I'm really it's glad like I did it. A, a cheap thing to do. You can do it as often or as seldom as you want to. And who wouldn't love to like hear their parents' voice from the past, or in the case of your dad, someone who's passed away, like getting a little taste of them um, when you're sort of old enough to appreciate it. Yeah, so and that's a great idea. You don't have to do it, you know. Before your child is even born, if you have a little kid or a little grandkid, yeah, um, it's it's a great thing to do. Thanks to whoever suggested it yeah. to me. <laughs> and that is it for this episode of Happier in Hollywood. For questions or comments, email us or send us a voice memo to happierinhollywood at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and please subscribe if you haven't already. Thank you to our producer, the amazing Chuck Reed, and everyone at Sancola Sound. You can follow them on Instagram at Sancola Sound. Thank you to everybody at Cadence 13. And thank you to our assistant, Mary Merkins. As always, thank you to Gretchen Rubin. Happier in Hollywood is part of the Onward Project. Get in touch. I'm on Instagram at Spain, and Liz is at Liz Craft. We also have a Facebook group. Search for Happier in Hollywood on Facebook to join in on the conversation. Until next week, I'm Liz Craft. And I'm Sarah Fain. Thanks for joining us. It's a fun job. And we enjoy it. Like, I read articles about to-do lists for fun. It's enjoyable to me. I didn't know there was such a thing as articles about to-do lists. There was one in, like, my New York Times email. (laughs) You know, I get that morning email from the New York Times. There was one in it today. And I was like, ooh, to-do list article. Oh, my gosh. I'm going to send it to you. (laughs) I won't read it. (laughs) 